0: I for basketball. Does't mean I should raise your kid.
1: Hello and welcome to Dear Adam Silver, a show about sports, art and the space they share. My name is Abigail Smithson and as always, I am your host. On today's show, I spoke with Brandon Donahue, an artist and educator based in College Park, Maryland. It was Brandon's large-scale basketball and football sculptures that first attracted my attention. As Brandon and I discussed in our conversation, I have been pretty intimidated by the shape and materials of basketballs and had mostly avoided using them in my own art just until recently. Brandon's sculptures really showed me how alive the shape of the ball can be and that when taken apart, a lot of new understandings and forms open up. We unpacked a lot about his own relationship with sports and the process of transforming as a way of making art. Brandon is currently an artist-in-residence at the David C. Driscoll Center in College Park, Maryland. Thank you to Brandon for coming on the pod. I hope all of you enjoy the conversation. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with friends. Your support means so much. Right,
2: started okay. started uh, t-shirts. Um, I started when I was 12. But I didn't take it seriously until the year two thousand, when I was a, like a freshman in high school. Yeah. And so, um, and, and so, my idea of art, like what I thought art was, um, was you know, you know, airbrushing, um, you know, t-shirts and drawing tattoos and doing cars, like that was that was high art to me. I didn't yeah. really care too much about the you know about the museums and things. But and that led to like that gave me so like the more that I Engage with people, and they supported me in the airbrushing um, profession. Like the more confidence I, I got into exploring more ways to, um, you know, to expand like what art means to me right. instead of fitting into a mold of what art is. So yeah, the airbrushing was the beginning of it.
1: And do you think when you were learning about what sort of when you when you came into more traditional art education environment and learned about like what art is deemed as how did that how -hmm. did that sort of what did you think about your own practice in relation to that and how did you start to like push back on what was maybe expected of you
2: yeah yeah it was was, like positive and negative but i did uh, you know fortunately i had some good professors and teachers who encouraged me it was different you know and they want to encourage the different things in the studio practice but um no one really discouraged me um, as much until I did a study abroad. I did a study abroad over in Italy. Okay. And of course they were more traditionally um, trained and skilled. So like yeah, they looked at me like sideways, like what like <laughs> like what do you like, I don't know, we we want to see more brushwork. Right. We wanna see, you know, less experimentation. So like and that was only for like four months. Yeah. So that didn't that didn't uh that didn't hurt me i mean that didn't tattoo me too hard like i i took it with a grain of salt and just said okay i don't i don't have to fit in this european like in this traditional like painting italy class you know Mm -hmm. like i'll just take this knowledge and you know i've gained some information and i'll just utilize it somewhere else but um, you know i was encouraged to like keep keep doing what i'm doing but no one knew where I could go. Like, they just yeah. like, yeah, just keep doing it, man. Just keep doing it, man. Like,
1: and then when was there a transition from doing the airbrushing to sort of working with found objects in a more sculptural way?
2: Yeah. Uh, so that began in um, that began in undergrad when I was thinking about, so like I was painting murals, but a lot of the times I would get like custom, like, like refrigerators. I would get all these weird objects that people would commission me to paint yeah so the the one that really got me was a refrigerator (laughs) and so i had to paint in the round which was pretty much sculpture so i'm like okay huh and then i became interested in like doors and i thought about like you know opening and closing and they having like a function that could move and be mobile so Mm uh my senior year in undergrad is when i um first saw like you know, objects to be painted on instead of, like, a canvas or a piece of wood.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And how did that evolve into basketballs and footballs becoming these sort of... uh, I'm not sure what the right word is. I mean, it seems like it's really rich material for your work or has been um, these uh, sort of sports uh, objects.
2: Mm hmm Well, I was in... um... So I was in grad school my my first year. It was a three-year program, and um, I started to, like, just kind of, you know, be really introspective and think about, like, what it is that I'm really interested in, like, saying, and what am I really into? What am I passionate about? Like, what is... I don't know. So I started asking a lot of questions, and it came back to sports. It came back to basketball. It came back to, like, track and field, and um, I stopped at basketball, and I realized that, okay, in my weekly pattern, you know, I play basketball four days a week. I said, okay, what, you know, you know, how does that tie into my art? So I looked at, like, the environment, and I was playing outdoors, and I noticed that there were a lot of basketballs that, that were, like, left outside on the courts, mm-hmm. and most of them were, like, muddy and, and textured, and so, I, you know, I picked up one of them, and um, I took it home and uh, sliced it open. And um, I just looked at it for its form and I was curious about like, you know, how does it bounce? Of course there's air in it, but like what's inside of it, what's it made of? What's yeah. Just the basic fundamental questions. And, um, yeah, it just came to me that like, Hey, this thing is loaded with like history. It's like, it's, it, you don't have to paint this. So let it sit, <laughs> you know, look at it. Um, and then, yeah, I started to like collect more. And one day I like, you know, I started to put them together and, um, I, I was using shoestrings to tie them together and um they naturally formed this like bloom or this like mandala shape. Yeah. And and I got excited, so
1: <laughs> Right. How many how many basketballs did you collect before you finally said, All right, I have to make something with these?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um uh, I think it I think it was about about man, about five or six. Okay. About five or six.
1: Yeah. And you had mentioned before that the balls, I think both the footballs and the basketballs that you've worked with now have taken on this sort of um, substitute for the body in a way or or Mm -hmm. symbol of the body. And I'm wondering if you Mm -hmm. could unpack that a little bit more as well.
2: Yeah. um, So what kind of happened at an artist talk, which is pretty much like a big critique sometimes when you invite people in to talk about your work with you, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this one artist she raised her hand and asked a question, and she um, she asked me the same question. Like, do you think about like yourself as a surgeon, or you know, mm. as like, is there any kind of act when you're when you're engaged with the basketball? And I thought about it, and I was like, well, the, the ball does have like this porous kind of skin, um, and I do surgically slice it open. Then I thought about it as the body, and um, I have some other works where I take the basketballs and I, like, use real human hair mm-hmm. um, from barbershops to make um, sort of, like, you know, nods at, like, the different styles in the NBA and how culture is, is sort of, like, um, you know, how you know how culture is used and started from the NBA, you know, like, from yeah. their – Yeah,
1: their hairstyles, their fashion choices.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've thought about it, but I didn't really, like – just nail it down and say this is what I'm doing I just I just did it you know
1: right and has has sort of constructing the or deconstructing the balls and reconstructing them in other forms the blooms um, adding the hair to them and all of this has that made you feel closer to basketball Has it changed? When you are you able to just go play basketball without thinking about the meaning of it in, in a greater like cultural context, or are you constantly is your brain working uh over time?
2: Oh man, yeah, it is working over time. Yeah, and I didn't, of course. Yeah, you can't like once you yeah, like once you uh take that peel, you know, once you you know, you step that way, you can't really look at it innocently, like um even the way that I play pickup. I'm like thinking about it like politically, I'm like, mm-hmm. man, so they chose me because you know I look fast and I could you know, and I was and I made like eight threes by myself, so they saw my jumper like it's like super like who can I win with mm-hmm. who, you know it's, it's it's not innocent anymore, so whatever, so like um what was the question I, I,
1: yeah it was, the, it was so I was cool. just wondering how sort of um. If the way you play basketball, your, your relationship with basketball as like the sport that you play or that you enjoy watching, has it changed since you started, uh, engaging it with us on, on this other level or or even, I mean, it seems like you're constantly rethinking basketball and that Mm -hmm. your, your, your art pieces are like iterations of that process of rethinking. It seems to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I am. Yeah. Yeah. It is changing. Like the game is changing. I'm changing, um, I don't play as much, but I do enjoy like just seeing it evolve yeah. and mostly through like, and mostly through the youth. Like I watch NBA. I don't like, I don't watch in the, I don't watch college that much this mm-hmm. year. I was watching last year when Zion was playing, but like right. this year I'm not, yeah, I'm not really as engaged, but um, yeah, I've been really kind of fascinated with like high school basketball because like my timeline is flooded with like, The future of of the NBA or the future of like basketball culture and they're they're just like 16 15 sometimes 12 years old like not even in high school yet and um, yeah I'm just like yeah I'm just really fascinated with that exposure that they have
1: yeah, I think oh. it's really different from some of the, um, I think the stars that I kind of looked up to when I was a kid. I don't think that they were playing when they were twelve years old in the way that <laughs> kids are now. So yeah. that's been a total. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a, a different way of of basketball existing. That yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So when you so yes, when you watch and you play, it's hard to kind of disconnect from everything that, like, has come out of your artwork. Yeah. You would say, yeah. Yeah. And I think also this idea of spirituality uh, that we have touched on before through sports, um, or you had mentioned that you have spiritual feelings towards basketball and that Mm -hmm. you sort of, it sounds like accidentally created these, um, mandalas or these basketball forms that, that look similar to mandalas and have this very natural organic shape to them, even though they're, you know, man made processed materials. Uh, they mm-hmm. have sort of a sense of, of um, sort of a natural way of being when I look at them. And so I was just wondering how that kind of ties together as well.
2: Yeah. Um, I, let's see, where does it start? I thought about it. I thought about it a lot when um, I f- first began to like collect them, and the idea that they have been touched, they've been shot with. There's, there's like, 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 hella stories that go with them.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, they've been weathered. They've been uh, abused, abandoned. <laughs> they've been written on. So that in itself, like the idea of history, that like that history is like super spiritual and super. It's like it's kind of sacred, and. Um yeah, like I I I used to move really slow with them. I didn't I felt kinda of weird about showing them for a while too because I felt like I don't know, I didn't know whether to call them like mandalas or blooms, but yeah. The word bloom, um I ended up going with that one because I like the idea of like there being like this hope or something that I don't know, like goes to the future or it talks about more than the basketball, yeah, but more like the person or like the people that that touch it, you know. Um, yeah, so it's super spiritual, and I, right. um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, I definitely they, they feel so celebratory to me. I don't know if that's necessarily. I mean, I think that that you know, looking to the future and and hope is involved in in that as well. Um, mm-hmm. But they feel like they're really marking. Uh, the spaces that you have collected them from in this more poetic way than we're used to seeing, like public parks and public um, spaces like that kind of remembered or archived, if that makes mm-hmm.
2: sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense.
1: Yeah, I just think, yeah, so like these basketball courts where you're getting the balls, now those places and those people live on in the, flower, in the bloom. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. going to call them a flower. <laughs> so I think that that... <laughs> Um, is really incredible. Uh, for sort of transformation.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, and that and that's the word too. Like the the word like transformation, of like transforming um like the way that we look at things too. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I dissected, you know, keyword like dissect, and I, I kind of think about the surgery in there too. But like when I dissected the basketball, um. Well, let me go back to, like, I had a studio visit. I had a studio visit in grad school with uh, Willie Cole, uh-huh. the artist Willie Cole. And um, he, he does a similar thing with a lot of different objects. But um, the work that I saw him do it with were with uh, women's high heel shoes. And um, he calls himself the Transformer. And, and I had a studio crit with him, and he saw my work, and he was saying that, like, You know, he was saying that you should listen to the objects, you know, listen to the object and the object will tell you what it wants to do, you know, as opposed to you controlling it. And so that's what, you know, I sort of um, did with the basketballs because I I had so many things that I thought they could be. But when I sliced them open and they they made the shape, um, you know, I saw the bloom and I started thinking about how it affected the people around me. Like everyone wanted to be a basketball player or they like aspire to even if they didn't want to go to the nba they at least wanted to dunk mm-hmm. or they at least had these dreams of like hitting the game with a shot or you know it was it was something tied to this game that people aspired to and i thought about that bloom of like this this possibility um and it's more than the game so um yeah that studio visit really really inspired me to think about what transformation is
1: yeah do you so you've also used toilet seats as basketball hoops in other yeah. sculptures, which is also yeah. an extreme step of transformation so mm-hmm. so I have a question about this. So do you think that you were already transforming things? Or did you or, and recognize it that way, or like after the studio visit? Is that when you were like, okay, like this is this is like the crux of the practice?
2: Oh uh, no, no, no! I was transforming before I met him. I just wasn't as conscious of it. Yeah, you know, of what I was doing, and I didn't have like the uh, language to go right. with it. But no, I was yeah, I was I was thinking in that terms. It's just like that was very helpful for me to see someone like confidently you know, assert themselves. It's as like, okay, this is, this is a thing, man. Like, <laughs> like, look, you know, and, uh, yeah, the right. toilet seats were, I was experimenting with those in undergrad, um, you know, because I'm always like thinking about what low and high art is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I think, you know, like, I don't want to ignore, I don't think we should ignore them, but I do love to merge and blend the lines of where they, they touch. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that they are really one. they're all in one category, but like we have like we don't have to. but you know, we we give these these things, these different uh, kind of categories to separate them. so
1: right. Like, where certain objects uh, belong, or even where like the idea of someone who likes watching basketball, I think it's assumed that they might not also want to go to a art gallery.
0: <laughs> so <laughs>
1: this idea right. of like the culture that we take in also, um, there's just stereotypes about who likes what and who enjoys mm-hmm. which things. So I think that also these established spaces for where a toilet seat should go, especially a used toilet mm-hmm. seat, and where, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the David should go um, are yep. two very different spaces that you seem to be really, um, yeah, just th- like thoughtfully working through uh, how to push back.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: so tell me about deciding to work with the toilet seats i mean I, i understand i understand the premise and i'm just wondering like when that came to you as far as someone who seems to you seem like you have like a collector mindset and you're noticing things that are around you
2: yeah 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 and it's and it's not as like as serious i do i like to have fun you know with with making things too you know of course it's like it'll 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 gain meaning and I mean, it has meaning already, but like, I was just like thinking of things that were circular that you can put things through, (laughs) um, you know, and I was like, damn, like, I'm just very observant of the world around me. And I thought that like, you know, I visit, (laughs) I visit this like almost sacred space every day, this, this like restroom, bathroom, and I thought about it as like, you know, a hoop, Yeah. Um, but to to, like elevate it (laughs) to, you know, literally to a higher level, um, as a basketball goal, I thought would be very like interesting, and it kind of comments on the art world and it comments on, on you know the you know the world of of, of the vernacular of everyday of what we do every day, and I, you know it was super simple. I didn't I didn't really ponder too deep on it. I just yeah. thought it was really funny and simple. So
1: right and i think this idea of literally lifting the toilet seats up i mean Mm -hmm. like you're 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 both elevating them to a new um sort of cultural meaning and also just like physically you're putting them where they don't normally belong
0: yeah (laughs) so i
1: think that the con the conceptual aspect of it really like goes hand in hand with this the just like the act of having a toilet seat like coming down rather than something that you look down at yeah
2: yeah, yeah. I would love to take the whole commode up. But, you know, of course. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I will. I don't know. This is you
1: know. right. I know that that would take just at least stronger reinforcement. You know. <laughs> yeah. I just I think that also it's really interesting when I'm looking at some of the photos of your the hoops that you've made with the toilet seats. Even though I know they're toilet seats, it still takes me a second to be like, "Gosh, this like because you spray painted them to mm-hmm. to." sort of fully take that in that that is that is what it is, you know mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and I think that that just goes to kind of show that there's so much there's so much built in and where we think things belong um, and yeah. how they f- function and what what is their best function and all of these things that uh, even looking directly at these images of of sort of found material being repurposed I'm still like is that really a toilet seat? <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's effective. Um, and so with all of this work that kind of stems from, well, at least the basketball work stems from your own experience with basketball, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about sort of your existence of basketball before starting to make artwork about it and how it was part of your life or sports in general were, were, was a part of your yeah. life.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I grew up playing basketball, um, but that's just okay. I could I could go this route. Yeah. So I played in school, but I wasn't good in school. Um, and when I looked back at it, like I was very I was I got nervous. I got super nervous, you know, when I would get on the court, and I would like <laughs> I guess it's the crowd or being anxious. Yeah. And it didn't help me. It didn't help me at all. So like I would screw up plays, and I was just. Like, like shit, this, like, just like, you know, just like, take Donahue out of here. Get out of here, Donahue. So <laughs> my coach to take me out.
0: Oh, gosh. But when I would
2: play, but when I would play like street ball, like, I was hooping. Like, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was like dunking when I was like 15. Um, I played, I played like religiously. And um, so, the, yeah, so I didn't play in school as much, but I did find track, uh, track and field. So I ran uh-huh. track in high school. I also ran in college. I ran one year uh, for Virginia Commonwealth. And so the, like, you know, like the athleticism, like I've already, like I've always kept and I still do, still work out and run. But, uh, yeah, I had this love for this game, but I just wasn't good at playing, like, regulated (laughs) basketball due to, like, nerve issues, like, just – being too anxious and nervous. So. Yeah. I, <laughs> I accepted it, though. You know?
1: Right. I think the sooner you can handle it, it's funny because I think of art as a very competitive world, but I just could never handle the idea that someone wanted to beat me and I could see that who they were, you know? Like, in that, like, you can see the person that's competing directly against you, and it's so upsetting yeah. to me. That's how I operated. So whenever I tried to play basketball for like ymca programs after every game i would just be you know like a mess i just couldn't i couldn't <laughs> handle it so i definitely understand yeah. just being aware of that i mean like oh this is not the space that i want to be in. i do not want people looking mm-hmm. at me doing this i don't want mm-hmm. this girl to try and take the ball out of my arms like all of these things yeah so yeah yeah
2: it, i remember like leaving the games like the regulated games that we would have on saturdays i would leave those games and then go home and like play outside like the rest oh, of the day, wow. and I was like, I was just I was just fine, so I knew I wasn't crazy. Yeah, I just realized that like the more people that watch me, the more kind of pressure I felt, and I didn't like live up to that pressure. But I was like, that's fine. Um, I can draw too. I know how to do something. <laughs> I don't have to like be a be like a basketball player. I can do something else.
1: Right, and um, and just like I think recognizing where it can like where basketball can fit into your life not maybe in the in the you know traditional high school team or whatever but like shoot basketball or making artwork about it like it's just has just as much value it's just a different form (laughs) yeah 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 i i completely understand that so do you think that also playing sports sort of has informed wanting to be an artist that's like your practice seems to also have this like social element to it where you're making work alongside the community that you're in or about the community Mm -hmm. that you're in, or like, you know, collaborating Mm -hmm. with the, um, I think I read that you get, you've gotten a lot of basketballs from the YMCA, um, and things like that. So do you think that being kind of a person that played sports and that's part of your mentality that, that wanting to be like, working collaborating and and engaging with the community uh that those two things might have um informed each other
2: yeah yeah so i yeah like i understand the reach now like i understand like the effects of what that like what using a basketball or being engaged in a sport can have on like people and um it's not intimidating either like you know, like I mean, let's let's kind of like say it. Like, some people are intimidated by museums and galleries um, because of they. You know, some people may not feel like they it may be over their head, or they may be intimidated by, mm-hmm. by you know, for some reason. But but like like community centers and, and like recreational centers, like I mean, you find everyone there, just about uh, yeah. old, young, any ethnicity. So yeah, I, I I was I was thinking about the sourcing of my of, of my materials. Like, how do I get them? Like I don't want to buy basketballs like for the rest of me, you know.
1: Totally, and, and they're, they're about, expensive. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought about I was like let's just let's 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 think this out. So, um, so I went to the community. So I went, I went. So I started in the state of Tennessee. I was, I was um, in Nashville. Then I like stepped out to Knoxville and then to Memphis. And I would call around to all the community centers. And I even like got the listing of all the high schools in the state. Wow. And I sent out this mass email and I was telling them, you know, what I do and, you know, what I'm interested in doing. And, like, um, and so I ended up taking road trips, just picking up picking up old basketballs from their gyms because all they would do was just, like, poke holes in it, you know, and throw them in the trash. Yeah. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> like, don't, don't, like, all that rubber, all that suede, all that, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. So I thought about, yeah, it's, like, very useful. And then I ended up, like, speaking to art classes. And sharing my, my practice and what, you know, what I do in the process to the art students there, like, for free. Just um, just stop in and pick up the bat. So it's like an exchange. Yes. It's beneficial to everybody, you know.
1: And I think it's, it's so important to have that kind of engagement uh, because, first of all, I mean, in a literal sense, people might consider the basketball or the toilet seat to just be something you should just throw away it's a piece of trash and it has no other value so like being able to recontextualize it in this way and present it that way has a lot of value and then also even if someone never thinks about the basketballs any differently maybe they'll think about something else that they see in a different way Mm -hmm. you know so it's just like Mm -hmm. this mindset Mm -hmm. that you're sharing that that is really a powerful thing to share where it's like pushing pushing further than like what is face value or what we have commonly understood a certain object or a certain space where mm-hmm. who gets to use it and who is that for and then what purpose does this object have um yeah. it's so good to to shake that up
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that's very important yeah
1: what was the um, the understanding? Did did the kids that you were talking to were they really sort of just taking it all in oh, about, or yeah, did yeah. they have any ideas of their own about like, well, I thought that art was, you know, um, yeah. this yeah. painting in this frame that hangs at this certain level in this certain space, or did <laughs> they were they on board with this like uh, switching it up as far as like the engagement went?
2: Yeah, like um, for example, like this one community center, Madison Community Center. I did a workshop with the kids and we we did a mural together, but I also shared with them what, like, my other practice with, you know, with collecting the basketball. And they were like, man, like, how, what is that, like, how is that art? And, like, the fact that I let them touch it, I let them touch, you know, the work. And I'm like, see, you can see it's a real basketball and you you can touch it. Whereas, like, most art, you're not able to touch. Right. um, But they didn't really think that it wasn't art as much they just thought like this is different um we're gonna watch you do it and like let's see how it ends up but yeah I I think it did transform some minds of like what they thought art was besides a drawing or a painting or something like that you know
1: yeah I just think that that yeah that has a lot of value at like such a at like a younger age um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so before before they Learn too much about the the canon of art history and like all of yeah. these symbols that that have defined what is uh, what is art quote unquote. Um, and as far as I saw that in one of your shows, you've actually constructed your own the uh, basketball court and all of that. Like how it seems in a way to like turn the gallery space into more of a a welcoming mm-hmm. community oriented space. Yeah,
2: um, yeah, and
1: for kids to kind of get. A different understanding so uh, how did that come to be
2: well yeah not even just kids but like yes yeah, so I was given the opportunity to try to like to work in this, this space um, it was called C space which um, which literally it just gave artists a chance to experiment with this like I think I think the room was like I want to say like 15 feet by 15 I mean it wasn't a large large room but it was it had really high ceilings and so I thought about like what you know what do I want to challenge i wanna you know I want to challenge like how we use this space and um I thought yeah so i so I like transformed it into an indoor basketball court uh the hoops were made of toilet seats, the backboards were made from bamboo um and I had i i used like reflective tapes and I had like some lighting in there um and yeah, the people when like people walked in, it was like they so I started it off, and I should. So I kind of wish I didn't, but like, I played basketball at first just to show that like, yeah, you can, you can play. Yeah. And there were like, and there were basketballs like on the ground too. So like, it it was sort of like implied that you can pick one up and shoot. But right. once I like shot the first shot, I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was like over from there. Everybody was just having fun. And, wow. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was active. So.
1: Can you fit a regulation-sized ball through a regulation-sized toilet seat? (laughs)
2: Nah.
1: Okay, so they were smaller balls.
2: Nah, Nah. I was using those little, um, those Walmart and Target. Yes. Squishy.
1: I was just (laughs) thinking in my head, like, how is this adding up? Yeah, I just was checking about that. So after you started, everyone else kind of joined in and it became, like, it just activated the space in a different way.
2: Yeah, and then I stepped out. I stepped out so that I could realize what was happening. I was like, "Wow, like, it's, it's yeah."
1: Yeah, so. and I think this goes hand in hand with this idea of of maybe the studio, your studio practice existing in, it, just that your the studio can also take place outside, rather mm-hmm. than just inside, rather than it being sort of a uh, isolated practice. It can be this yeah. collective yeah I just got the I got the feeling from like this through line through looking at the murals that you'd made and and knowing that you made you worked on t-shirts and all these sort of sort of personalized uh, commissions to yeah, yeah. to then working with all this material that is really like yeah just found in public spaces
2: mhm yeah I wanted to, i mean I'm not gonna lie too like I wanted to fit into like the I don't know this like this idea I thought you know this idea of what I thought like art was and like being in museums and galleries and stuff but I was out like you know doing street art and like um you know airbrushing t-shirts and I was doing the opposite of it but um yeah I wanted to like figure out like who else was doing it and so I decided to go to grad school yeah and that's what and that's what that's what really like showed me that like you can keep doing what you want to do but like you don't have to like get in like there isn't yeah, you don't have to fit in. So,
1: Bookman's is a chain of stores based in southern Arizona that specializes in entertainment exchange. At Bookman's, you can find books, vinyl, movies, instruments, video games, home decor, and more. Almost every item on the shelves at Bookman's comes from people in the surrounding community who sell or trade for cash or store credit. Bookman's is truly a local institution and is a one-stop location for arts, culture, and entertainment. Of course, one of the best parts about Bookman's being deeply involved in the Tucson community is that they support local artists like me. I am proud to share their product on my show. Visit one of Bookman's six locations in Tucson, Flagstaff, Mesa, and Phoenix or online at www.bookmans.com. And remember, Bookman's has cool covered. And um, there's a particular piece on your website that I saw where you had um airbrushed at the name of every person who was uh killed in a homicide for yeah. i'm i'm trying to remember the year was it 2017 or 2018 um
2: yeah so there were two yeah so there were um i did it i did it one i did it three times three different years uh the latest was at the Frisk museum in nashville and it was from 2018 okay. so from last year from last year and like um did you have, a que- like, a question, like, a, like a specific question? I guess question it's just, bought, I don't,
1: or... I mean, I don't know, maybe I do have a question, or I, it's just like that, that, I think that's a, it was an overwhelming piece, um, mm-hmm. in the sense of, I think there's just a lot of discussion about how we sort of, like, mark people's or lives or remember their existences, especially when, um, you know, they, people are sort of, they die before of non-natural causes you know when there's this this when we have this like proliferation of of violence and all of these things and you chose to use i mean you're using really bright colors that are associated Mm -hmm. with airbrushing and all of these things it's very i mean they're beautiful these representations of these people's names i don't know how many how many were there Um, I think it was like 96. 96. And and so it was just, it was, I was taken aback first by how vivid and strong all the colors are. And then you look and like each, each one's a bit different from the one next to it. Each person's name is written differently and has different colors and all of these things. And it felt both, um, yeah, it was, it was really beautiful. And it was also really, it's just a difficult piece that I think like visually sort of pushes back on what we expect to see as far as like representation of, People who have died yeah, um, yeah. And, and so I, I just yeah where did you how did you what did you do? and who asked how did you get commissioned or or how did that come up?
2: Yeah, so um, so I have been living in Nashville for Nashville Tennessee for about I think about 15 to 16 years and um, I went to Tennessee State you know um, a Tennessee State University and I taught yeah. there as well. and so I have been doing murals. I was very active in the in the mural community and um so the curator uh katie del may she wanted to do a show that um because she was also curating a show that involved um murals internationally so she brought in some muralists from um i forgot what like where they were from but so she also thought that like i should include the local muralists too to show the community that this is not just out there it's also Mm -hmm. right here in the city and so she commissioned, um, I think about I want to say eight or nine of us, maybe more. I could be wrong. Um, and yeah, my approach to it was like, okay, I paint murals, but like I'm also um I'm also like into like memorials, and like memorializing people and, and the lives of like those who are not here. Yeah. Uh, and that comes from airbrushing t shirts. Like I would get commissions to paint people that have passed away like the RIP shirts Mm -hmm. and that was like that took up I mean that was that took up a lot of like time um in the 2000s like when I began airbrushing and so I didn't really internalize it until recently when I was like god damn like that that was very like that's super powerful like Mm -hmm. on the t-shirt to memorialize someone on the t-shirt and uh it's using bright colors I thought about like New Orleans like the second line when mm-hmm. people pass away they 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 have like you know parades, yeah, and so this like contrast of like death with like music and festivities and so I said, what well, would be like pretty strong like to memorialize because gun violence you know it's 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 increasing, you know, and um we had the waffle house um right. the waffle house massacre yeah. like you know, in, you know in that year too, so uh this was super fresh, and it was on my mind. And I thought about like Maya Lin's a Memorial Wall in DC. Mm-hmm. I thought about like just all these different ideas of what it means to memorialize someone, and it yeah, it just came to me like a big mural of names, you know, colorful names, and it's so weird. I had to like, I pulled, I kind of went back and thought about what Willie Cole said too, like to ask for permission, and I I didn't want to like exploit. I felt like I didn't I didn't want to like exploit that, you mm-hmm. know. So I had to like, I had to you know kind of meditate and do a little moment of silence and ask for permission from the ancestors. Like, you know, like, can I? Like, is this right? Yeah. Um, I sketched it out, you know, did some ideas. And, uh, yeah, it just happened. Like, it it felt right. And, um, yeah, that's it.
1: Did you get feedback from, did people see that mirror who, like, they recognize names of people who are on it? And and how was that? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that was very touching. I, I still get messages, like, today um, through Instagram, Facebook, through my email, from all the fan. Like, I would say probably about 20 to 30 people have, like, sent me messages, like, the family members. And they, um, wow. yeah, they... It's, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to read, you know? Like, I had to take... I, had, I took some time opening up the messages because I knew what they were going to say mm-hmm. from the heading of it. I was like, yeah, yeah. you're welcome, like, but this is, this was heavy on me too just sure. as heavy on me too so
1: did so is that still i mean is that piece a permanent piece or is i mean when you airbrushed was that onto a wall was it onto a, another material or like will it live somewhere else
2: yeah it's on some panels it's on okay. it's on like these like like 10 by 8 foot panels like three of them so like 20 by 8 i believe yeah and so it's going to be like a like a traveling um, piece that goes around.
1: Wow, I know that's a, that's such a. I mean, I feel like now that the names are on there, it's a hard. It's hard to just take it down or you know put it in a <laughs> closet or something like that. Like it never, yeah, it has yes. to like keep being uh, in in like spaces that are uh, active.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting thing about the sort of memorial, like that that word, because. Um I don't know how it how how, and maybe I'm trying too much to connect the the blooms and the way that you're thinking about like place and memory and like the people that handled the balls. um, even if, if they're alive, like that they're kind of like archived in this new form., um, in relation to this, um, maybe more like explicit memorial,, uh, but that they're both just different just um, sort of outside of the box ways to think about like both place and and people and how we like remember both
2: hmm yeah 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 they're both connected. I think yeah like everything's connected everything's connected in some way and I've always looked at my works as separate you know like this doesn't have anything to do with that but you know the older I'm getting I'm like okay dude like it's all connected
1: <laughs> yeah and I think it it, it <laughs> Is about I mean also just these basketballs that come from a certain place that, that you're a part of and you know the, these people that you live around um, and and what what has happened to them and and how I just think it's so much about about place that's what I feel
2: yeah place yeah
1: I don't know have you so what is going on you've moved to College Park um, mm-hmm. and yeah. how is College Park sort of uh, impacting you as a place or, or how are you sort of thinking about engaging with it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So my, um, so my wife slash partner, <laughs> uh, Jessica Gatlin, Jessica Gatlin, she, um, yeah, she's a, she's a tenure track printmaking professor and I'm an art art artist in residence at the, at the C Driscoll center mm-hmm, okay. uh, at the university of Maryland. And, um, so We, yeah, so being in this place has been like, it's been super magical recently. Um, I just discovered too that, 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 okay, so let me start by saying, okay, so Dr. E.B. Henderson, um, he is the father of black basketball, uh, meaning like he was a student of Dr. Naismith. Okay. And um, he went to Harvard to study under the people that. Dr. Naismith taught, um, and he brought the game of basketball back to D.C. in I think 1904. I can look it up and, yeah. and get the specifics, but like, but like black, so he, he so he brought the game back to D.C. I think it's on the corner of like 16th and U Street.
0: Mm-hmm. I just
2: did my research on it, and so the <laughs> so basketball aspect, so like he introduced the game of basketball to the African American uh, youth. And he added structure to it. He created like like you know basketball tournaments and stuff. And like and it's and like think about how much that has impacted you know culture in the game mm-hmm. today. Like I'm blown away. So I'm actually like doing some things with that right now. Um, just thinking about like right down the street is the birthplace of like black basketball, like where wow, it was like yeah. nurtured and and cultured. So. Um, yeah, man, I'm 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 enjoying it, and yeah, I'm still working. So that's right,
1: it. that's exciting. I think I've. Um, it's so interesting when doing research and looking back at sort of like the beginning of pretty much anything. I think inside, in the United States at least, that when we talk about like the first of anything, it's always there's always people that were excluded from that. So it's not the first mm-hmm. for everyone. Um yeah. so I was I was or I have been doing a lot of research about the first women's game, um that took place at Smith College, but it's just awkward because any time I'm talking about it, it turns into not about basketball, but it turns into how we remember the past because it's so easy to be like oh yeah that was the first game of women's basketball but the fact that smith was not an integrated school means that it was the first game of basketball for white women or women that were able to pass for for being white and then that just brings up a whole bunch of other questions that are way more pertinent than Uh women i just it it it, it's impossible (laughs) to kind of look back and and sort of celebrate almost any first event in this country because it's always at the detriment of of a group of people. Yep. Uh, yeah. So that I have no question about that. It's like <laughs> it's just this. So it's, I really I'm I'm so interested in this this man who um, uh, you're talking about. I'm forgetting his name now. What?
2: Oh, uh, Dr. E. B. Henderson. E. B. Dr. E.
1: B. Henderson. That that. There's just there's so many firsts. There's so many different versions of yeah. first, and uh, yeah. I think that's also just really exciting to be able to go to the place where it all happened.
2: Well, supposedly it's right around the corner from where the Wizards play. Oh like, wow! It's like, it's like a <laughs> block from from where the stadium, yeah, where the Wizards play. So like, I was like, wow. So the past and the present or the future, like all of it, is like within one sort of block. Right. Um. Oh, man, just like yeah, I'm super excited about just researching more about it. But...
1: Yeah. And are you a resident? Um, there all year.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's up in May. Okay. Nice. Um. And I'm working on a mural uh, to commemorate um, David C. Driscoll, the artist, uh, David C. Driscoll, oh, wow, collector, okay. historian. Yeah.
1: yeah. So you already have these like two super. Place based uh, direction. I mean, like things that can <laughs> only make sense in that place. That's so exciting.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's great. And what about? I mean, are you still actively making blooms? Are you still collecting basketballs? Have you gotten any basketballs in DC? Like, are you playing basketball there? What's going on?
2: Yeah. So I'm. I'm. You know. So I'm still collecting. I had an artist talk earlier this semester with uh, with an art history class, and I told them. You know, I'm spreading the gospel. I'm like, yo, if you if you if you if you uh, find some basketballs, uh, here's my email. You know, <laughs> yes. And so they're spreading the word. So it's you know it's like it's, so it's really fun to like to kind of talk and and tell people what I do and what I'm interested in. But it's always active, and I'm getting interesting. And it's also like the location changes the types of basketballs and and and. And not just basketballs, but footballs and like volleyballs. The types that I collect mm-hmm. are so funny. They're just, like weird, man. Like I get like books, Bunny basketballs and
1: yeah, little
2: miniature SpongeBob. Like that's all great stuff.
1: I had this really wonderful experience um, when I was collecting basketball nets and living in Baton Rouge. I there was yeah. this one PE teacher who I talked to who just really. She was really into it. Not everyone was as into it as her. She just loved my project, like trading out the nets, putting up new ones. And she asked for my address because she wanted, I don't know what exact, she said she wanted to get me a gift. And I just was like, all right, here's my home address. And the next week I came home and there was a stack of just a 100, it was 120 thank you notes written by the students. And um, it was just such a nice thing that like, oh, you know, it's not about like one person, like I don't have more to offer than you do because you get to offer me these thank you notes and I get to offer you these nets. and it just that could go on forever that we kind of like yeah. sort of trade things back and forth that we think of. And it just felt like,, um, yeah, I just and of course, then I tried to, you know, I invited all the kids to my thesis show and like none of them came. Yeah. And then it turned into this like other disappointment of being like, how do you keep the the art? How does how do you keep these relationships expanding so it's not just about this one interaction necessarily, but that there's a yeah. way to like, and, and I just think it's tricky. It's hard when when because I was really on this high of being like, yeah, I'm having to explain my my thesis to people who aren't involved <laughs> in my program. Like that's so revolutionary. Yeah. Like I have to go into, yeah. you know, talk to an assistant principal and tell them that I'm obsessed with <laughs> basketballness, but then. The, but then, of course, it's hard to, like, get those relationships to continue on. There was another woman at, like, a, a juvenile detention center, which was, like, a totally uh, – it's just a really difficult, heavy, oppressive place. And, I mean, I just felt weird about being there sort of by choice, getting to go in and say, can I switch out your basketball nets? And mm. I really wanted also to keep uh in contact with her. And it's just – it's difficult to, to get – to make real, lasting relationships. And sometimes I wonder, maybe it's just, you know, they, those interactions are a part of the work and they're nice interactions, and maybe that's okay whoa, that they're whoa,
2: just that. wait, wait, wait. So you switched out Nets at, at a at a correctional facility? I did, like a I did. Whoa, that's deep.
1: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why it wasn't. I mean, it was just... I, it's just weird being in a place like that that you're no one else is there because they are choosing to be and I yeah, was there yeah. choosing to I mean I, I think that that is, is is problematic in some sense especially in a place I mean Baton Rouge is like a very divided uh city and so so I mean but they're you know like uh yeah they like Put up some gate. I had to drive the car around. Like I, I drove the car into the jail. It was just,
2: yeah.
1: It was interesting. But yeah, I wanted this woman. Was
2: that like, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, was that like Angola, or was it like a no. another
1: facility? It was just so. Yeah, Angola has its own. Um, Art situation, so a lot of the... So, yeah, I, I've i been to Angola, and, and they have, like, a robust art community for the, the, okay. the prisoners are a part of, like... Yes. There's a lot of art being made there. Um, yeah. So this was at a juvenile detention facility in Baton Rouge that... It was just, like, a local sort of, like, county ho- holding facility, almost, like, right near the oh, airport. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, I just saw... Okay. you. I could see because it was, like, right off this main road, I could see their basketball court and I could see that they mm-hmm. uh, needed new nets. Um, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: But, I mean, it wasn't... Okay. I mean, that net in particular, like, that one net at a, out of, like, the 150 nets that I got, that net is, like, a really... I mean, that net is, like, a heavy net. Uh, it's an important net, and so I think... I, I don't know. Do you, Have you gotten attached to specific basketballs? Um... Uh... I guess you
2: were talking about Bugs not, Bunny a little bit. Not yeah, I, no, not really, not attached. But I, yeah. I do, I do prefer, I do prefer like the, um, like the leather. I love leather. Yeah. More so, and I like, and I like when they're like super crusty and old and got mud. And they have mud right. on them and stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's a deep story. Like I'm, I'm still processing. You know, I'm still processing that. Like, that's, man. So when they do get a chance, like when the prisoners get a chance to go out to play, like. They were like probably just as like, like you know like whoa what, I, like what happened to the old net?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I'm not sure, and I mean, it also just felt like, um. You know what is the right because I think, I uh, it, it was just a tricky situation because, I don't I want it's always more enjoyable to play basketball on a hoop that has a. Functioning net, <laughs> so that was like mm-hmm, my bottom mm-hmm. line. Is that okay. whoever it is that plays at at whatever hoop I'm I'm working on, they're always gonna. Mm-hmm. It's always gonna be more satisfying when the ball goes through the net than when it like yeah just goes through the hoop.
2: So yeah, and there's and there's like sound involved too. Yeah, the, um, yeah.
1: but I mean, I really, I just, I always hoped that one of my interactions at these places might turn into something where I could go back to that place over and over again, or they're just like mm-hmm. this bigger thing could come out of it. and it just hasn't it hasn't happened uh, yet, I mean, in a way that I imagine. and maybe, uh, yeah, I just think that it's I don't want to be someone who like casually pops into a jail and then leaves, you know, and and yeah, takes the yeah, thing yeah. back. so I think there was some I felt some issues there and and okay. so wanting to. To make something larger out of it with the with the woman uh-huh. who ran the facility, in the hopes that maybe there was something more that I could, um, that I could interact more with with the people who are are the kids that are being kept. Uh, it's just it's all so upsetting. To, I haven't actually explained in detail this particular well, like experience a in a while.
2: <laughs> well, maybe like a workshop or some you know some yeah. sort of, or like you know how to knit or like how to knit hoops or something like that could be cool, like, right? You know.
1: Yeah, just anything. I, I mean, it was just, um, yeah. So thanks for letting actually me share that I wasn't expecting. I think there's so many parallels <laughs> with our work as far as just, um, yeah. but but my focus on the nets and your focus on on the balls, like it's just, and, and sort of both kind of not even, like I was never really interested in basketballs uh, that much. Mm-hmm. and And it's only recently that I was like, like actually a couple months before I saw your work where I was like, oh, the basketballs also are recordings. They also yeah, carry that place yeah. with them. Um, I think I just felt, and maybe this was me not sitting with them long enough, as you had mentioned before, but I was just like, yeah, they're they're just the shape that they are. Like the nets are so easy to to make different forms out of, and the ball mm-hmm. just felt really like oh, it just, it's just a ball. Like, that's what it is. Like, I yeah. never thought to to take it like apart.
2: <laughs> like, they can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I mean, I've never thought about the nets really, you know, right. until, until, like, the past couple years.
1: Yeah, I also really loved your description of the foul line as it being sometimes the hardest shot to make because it's the most, it's also when it seems like it's the easiest almost because uh, you're not, mm-hmm. there's no one trying to keep you from making it. Uh, Yeah. I actually always feel, I mean, even if it's a game that I don't truly have an investment in on either side, um, Mm -hmm. when players have to take foul shots late in the game that really matter, I'm, like, watching Mm -hmm. through my fingers. (laughs) Like, it's (laughs) it's so, because I feel, I'm just like, are they okay? What's going on with them? You know, sort of what mental training have they had to go through to... To get to the point where they can block it all out.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Yeah, I'm fascinated. Yeah, I'm fascinated with that. It's just you, it's just you and the and the goal.
1: <laughs> totally, and and the routines that they have. I mean, I um, I mean, we were texting about this earlier, but my love-hate relationship with Steph Curry's oh, mouthpiece. Yeah. Like, yeah,
2: yeah, the that, mouthpiece. Yes, yeah.
1: my sister was saying that. Because my sister's also a basketball fan. She was saying that uh, his free throw percentage is much higher when he is shooting um, with his mouthpiece out than when he mm. actually has it just in his mouth. Um, mm. She said that a couple of years ago. So just like the things that people do when they're kind of really focused uh, yeah. and their routines and they're stepping back and the high fives and the breathing. It's just yeah. uh, their dribbles. It's really incredible.
2: What is it? And I think also, like, maybe, like, anxiety a little bit, too, because, like, he does that with his mouthpiece, and LeBron has the, like, the nail-biting thing mm, right. that he did. Like, yeah, there's something there with that, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that their their anxiety, or those little, like, habits that aren't so appealing are actually very endearing in a sense. Um even if I think it's gross that he threw it into the crowd that one time, um, <laughs> yeah, I remember
2: I, that. He think... threw it at a guy. You I threw know. I think like it hit a guy. Oh
1: <laughs> God. I, I, mean, that was just a that's just a bad moment. But this thing that makes them appear like very human, like they're dealing with the stress mm-hmm. as we're watching them, um, is I think more powerful for me than maybe seeing like all the incredible things that they they can do. I just I like seeing kind of their their normal habits that that i have you know
2: <laughs> yeah yeah thank you again this is yeah you just like yeah this has been great
1: oh good thank i'm you. so glad and um yes we'll just talk soon and i hope you have a good night thank you brandon all right all
2: right thank Peace. you too Bye-bye. bye